We're in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we've been looking for the past, last week Irving did um, the first part of Ephesians chapter 5. He did verses 21 through 24 and he dealt, dealt with a woman's role in marriage. And today um, we're going to talk about a man's role in marriage. And all the men give a healthy grunt. Oh, come on, all the men. Man, that's really weak. None of y'all are ready for a good word today, all the men in the house? Huh, all the men? A little, oh, one, two, three. That's it. I love it. It's good. Praise God. <laughs> you know, God has a, um, has a plan. Amen. God has a design for marriage. He's got a design for relationships. If you look at the way Paul wrote his letters, his epistles, and you think about the stuff that he was dealing with in the new church, in the early church, most of his focus, a lot of his focus was on relationships and even marriage. It's a very important topic, amen? It's a very important thing to God, uh, what God wants for us in our relationships and in our marriage. And there is a special attention that Paul gives not just in the New Testament, but all of Scripture, all of the Bible from the beginning all the way to the end, there is something important about the responsibility, the identity, the role of men. It's very important that us as men, and just so you know, ladies, I just want you to be encouraged as you listen, but this sermon today is going to be a, a little bit more directed toward the men today. So for all of us as men, there is something very important, something very valuable, something very um, responsible, right, that we have to get to, a place we have to get to in our understanding of our role as men in society, in the culture, in the church, and in our home, in our families, and in our relationships, and in our marriages. Amen? And all the men said, Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, this is what G the Bible says about God's plan. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It's a great, great verse, powerful verse. All the men are just looking at the word naked, but that's not what I want you to focus on. There's a lot more to this verse. Amen? So there's a few steps. Step one, it's a boy leaves mom and dad, grows up, becomes a man. Amen? Step two is he then finds a woman to love and serve, right? God gave Adam who? Eve, because he said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He, didn't, he couldn't do all the things that, that God wanted him to do. He needed a partner, amen? And so from the man, right, God created Eve. He created woman. And the reason it's called whoa, man, is because Adam was like, whoa, man. He was so excited to see this woman, Eve. 
And then they got married. In the garden, we see this, this picture of a wedding where God sings over Adam and Eve and declares them husband and wife. Step four, they become one. He becomes one with her, enjoys consummation and unity. And then step five, enjoys the benefits and blessings of marriage. So this is God's design. But today, this is not what is being taught and preached in society and our culture. We have young boys today doing step four before their step one. They haven't even become men yet. They're still boys. And it has nothing to do with age. There are boys in their late 20s because they've carried on this idea of adolescence well into adulthood because that's the way society and culture teaches young boys. Find a girl. Find as many as you can. Do whatever you want with them. Treat them how you want. Marriage is not important. It's not valued. Live how you want to live. And that's why so many children today, upwards of 40% of children are born out of wedlock because we're doing step four before step one. Somebody say amen. And so the standard for the church, the standard of the Bible is there is a picture. There's God's design for marriage. But what happened in Genesis chapter 3, does anybody know? What happened in Genesis chapter 3? Who came? Satan came in Genesis chapter 3. And he came and he entered the world and he fractures everything. He lies to Adam and Eve. When sin entered into the world, everything was ruined. He deceived Eve and she sinned. There's an old, there's an old saying that when, uh, when Adam was away, Eve went astray. That is not true. The Bible says that Adam was standing there the whole time as Eve was being deceived by the serpent, watching what was taking place. Adam, Adam didn't do anything to step up at all to help protect his wife from the lies of the enemy. He just stood back and just watched like a coward. See, the, the, the sin, that, the sin that, that Eve took was that she did something she shouldn't have done. What Adam did is he didn't do something that he should have done. And so when, when, when God, in his love, he comes looking for them in the garden, who does God call out to? Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? What have you done, Adam? Where are you hiding? And so though Eve sinned first, he held Adam responsible. And so God throughout the Bible puts this additional burden and responsibility on the man for the well-being of his marriage and his family. And so as men, we must understand that our, our identity and our role so we can participate in God's design, original design for marriage. Amen. And so I want to read to uh, uh, read today from Ephesians chapter five. We're going to start in verse twenty five. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. I love that phrase. Oh, that's a good phrase. How, 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 is, how is Christ sanctifying, through, sanctifying the church today? Anybody know how? Look, look at what it says. By the washing of water with the word. Praise God. That's why we preach God's word on Sunday. Amen? So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish in the same way. So all of that is a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. And he says it's the same with husbands and their wives. Amen? He says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Praise God. Marriage is a reflection of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. How many of you know that Jesus loves his bride? Amen? He loves his church. He, he is engaged in his church. We've talked about this before that Jesus is very involved in what is taking place amongst the body. Amen. The Bible says that Jesus is the capital H head of the church. The head of, of the church is Christ. And in the same way, the head of marriage is the man. And so the husband is supposed to be part of the church learning about Jesus and and seeing how Jesus loves and how Jesus serves and sanctifies the church. And he's supposed to take those examples from Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, be something like Jesus to his wife so that she's cherished and nurtured and cared for and loved and pursued. And so that she can also grow in godliness and grace and gloriousness. Do you know the Bible says that the wife is the glory of a man? Do you know that? That the glory of the husband is the wife. And sometimes as, as husbands, we, we minimize and we don't understand the position that our wife holds. This is not an issue of equality. Man and women were created equal in God's eyes. But there's a specific role that men play and that women play in marriage. And God says, you are the head. You are responsible, man. You are responsible for your marriage. You are responsible for your family. And unfortunately, we live in a world today where where men have, have totally abandoned their responsibility. The percentages of young men who are in jail today, the percentage of them that did not have a father, poverty in America, abortion in America, young people today don't even know what gender they are because men have not taken responsibility for their role in the family. And it should anger us. Let me just say this. 
what I love. You know, um, there have been a few seasons in my life where I have tried to make the decision, is this the church that God wants me in? If you're a man here today, I'm sure you have asked yourself that question. If you would be honest with me, have any of you come to a place, maybe, maybe when you first started coming throughout your seasons, maybe, maybe a church at all, you're not sure if you believe, but you're just trying to decide, is this the place that I want to, I want to, I want to come to? Is this a church I want to be at? Is this a place that I need to call home as my church? Has anybody had that question or have thought about it? Yes? I mean, you're here. You had to have thought about it. Amen. The reason that this is my church is because of the men in this church. That there are men in this church who pray for me, who pray for my family, who pray for the pastoral team, who pray for the leaders. There are men in this church who love their wives and love their children, who get involved in the ministry of men. And that is not the norm. It is not the norm. As a church, as it matures and grows, it reflects the service and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so it is with the woman as she grows. And as she flourishes, and as her children grow and flourish, it shows the service and sacrifice of her husband and her Lord. And so here's the bottom line, guys. Here's the bottom line. Your wife is your garden. Amen? You can't ignore your garden if you want it to flourish. Amen? How many of you have a garden? You have a, you have a, you have landscaping outside. You have flowers and plants and trees. If you ignore that, what happens? Falls apart. If you ignore your wife, if you just stand back and yell at her, you just give demands, pass judgment. The garden does not flourish. Your wife will not flourish. And just like Jesus deals with the church, us as husbands need to tend to our wives, to take care of our wives, to pay attention to our wives, to love her like Christ loved the church. Amen? So we need to take responsibility like Jesus took responsibility to pursue, invest, and care, and cherish, and nourish her with the grace that God gives. And so the question is not, you know, let's stop arguing with the Bible. It's been proven time and time again, God's ways are always better. Amen? So the question isn't, is the man the leader? That's not the question. The question is not, is the man the head? Is the man responsible? That's not the question. The question is, is the husband... Is the father doing a good job or a bad job? That's the question. And that's the only question. So I'm going to calm down for a second because I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew that in preaching this word, I was going to be upset about a few things. But I love you. I love you as men. I do not want, I want to preach the truth. And it's a hard truth that I think that, that men should, um, should grapple with. Amen. You're responsible. I love you. I love you. I love the men in this church. 
I don't know if there's men watching online, but I love you. I care for you. I care for your families. God cares for your families. And, and I'm just telling you that, that we cannot abdicate our responsibility in our families. Amen? And so I just want to ask, how is, it, how is it going? How are you doing? How are things at home? How is your marriage? How is your wife? How is your children? Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to the spiritual life of your wife? Are you honoring her? Are you valuing her? Are you taking care of her? And I'm not just talking about financial provision because men love to do that. Well, I pay the bills. I pay the bills. I go to work. I pay the bills. She better appreciate me. Men are held to a higher standard. You know, I was thinking about this, this order of priorities that would be helpful to men to understand because I think a lot of us as men, we get our identity from our role as a worker, as a, from our jobs, our careers, because there's something in our DNA, it's biblical, that, that we are providers. And so we'll look at our identity as a provider and we'll determine our worth as a husband based on our ability to provide for our wives. But there is a, an order to think. Your first role as a man is not to your job. Your, where you get your identity is not from your job. It's from who you are as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. That's your first and primary responsibility as a man. Amen? Your first focus, your, the, the amount of energy and focus and determination you put into your life, first and primarily is to Jesus Christ as your Savior. How are you walking with Him? Are you growing in Christ? Are you learning in Christ? Are you a Christian? Are you, are you being a good Christian? Are you reading your Word? Are you praying? Are you learning and growing? I'm not even talking about ministry. Just talking about you as a follower of Christ. Do people at your workplace even know you're a Christian? Number one is being a Christian. Number two is being a husband. Do you know? I'm, I'm, I love saying this because anybody's what? Uh, do you know that your wife is more important than your kids? Because one day them kids going to be gone. And you're going to be with her forever. Christian, husband, then father, then worker. You have a job to do. And then ministry. Then hobbies. I'm a worker, and I have hobbies. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, too, sometimes. I'm a father. And there's my wife way out in the shed. Men, our identity comes from our relationship, which is in Christ. Amen? 
I'm made by God. I'm loved by God. I'm given dignity, value, and worth by God. I'm redeemed by God. I'm a son of God. That's my identity, not my employment. My creator, he determines who I am. And once you know who you are, you know what to do. Amen? So the true essence, and some of you, some of you I know, I, I get it. Some of you did not grow up in Christian households. You did not have Christian, a Christian father, a Christian mother. You have no model, no example to follow. But the essence of true masculinity is not how much meat you can eat and how loud you can belch and how, how big your truck is. The essence of true masculinity is taking responsibility. Honoring a woman, raising a family, and learning to love like Jesus. Jesus is the only perfect man to ever live, and most men fail to look at him as an example. And so I want to I get very practical. And I was thinking about this with my own daughter. I have a 15-year-old daughter. Um, so me and my wife are going on 24 years of, of relationship. Uh, this year, we celebrate 17 years of marriage this year. Come on. Come on. Do you have that picture? I think there was a picture. I don't know if you have it or not. But this is us when we were young and in love. Man, she could, I'm just telling you, she couldn't have enough of me. I mean, she just couldn't help herself. I didn't even want to take one of these pictures. She made somebody take it. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. Yeah, we were young and in love, and, uh, and then we got married. I think there's a picture of us married. Yeah, J June 10th, 2006, we got married. And <laughs> four months later, uh, she was pregnant. And in our one-year anniversary, she was like, you know, pregnant. And uh, so my daughter doesn't like to, for me to talk about her, but I'm going to eat it anyways. But we have a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old daughter about to be 16 years old this year. And one of the ways that I try to honor my wife is by being an example to my daughter. Does that make sense? I want my daughter, uh, I want whatever boy comes along to have a very difficult time trying to impress my daughter. Amen? I mean, I want, my, I want this guy to, to have such a difficult time that when my, my daughter looks at this guy who is trying to sweet talk her and says, and, and he does something inappropriate, she'll say, you know, my, my dad doesn't talk like that. That there's a standard for my daughter to look at. Amen? And so the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. What a passage. 
What a passage. He says your, your prayers might be hindered by the way you treat your spouse. And so I want to give you eight ways to honor your wife. I've said these before. It's been a few years, but I wanted to um, just expound on these a little bit more. And I'll finish with this. So number one, honor her maritally. Honor her maritally. You need to establish right priorities and be a one-woman man. You have one woman. If, if, if your wife has one eyebrow, you're one eyebrow guy. Okay? If, you're, if your wife has some hairs in her ears, you are, you are hair in the ears guy. Whatever your wife is, that's your type. And you know, I think there's this, there's this problem with men, especially when they, when they get married. They live a certain way when they're single, and then they get into to marriage, and they think they can still behave and think that way. You know, because when you're single, you're, you're probably always looking around and, well, she's, she's all right, but man, she's fly. And then, oh, but she's not that, she's, never mind. She, I don't know why she wore that. I'm moving on. And so what we do is we start comparing and thinking about, you know, when you're single. But then you get married and then you start comparing other women to your wife. That's not right. Your wife now, that's it. You are a one-woman man. You're not, you're, not go, you're not the guy that goes to lunch with other women. You're not the guy that finds yourself alone with other women. You're not the guy who is, who is social media texting old girlfriends on Facebook. Hey, man, I really like that post. That's really great. How are you? No, no, no. You're not that guy. You don't point out how another woman looks or dresses or treats her husband or children. You're not that guy. Honor your wife. Honor her. Comparing her to other women is the fastest way to demotivate and wound your wife. So be loyal to her. Don't compare her. So number two, honor her physically. Um, so we have a, uh, a difficult problem that most of the men in this room probably have. And that's the fact that a lot of us are Hispanic. And, and we come from households where if we did have our father, our father was probably pretty abusive. And some, some of us still deal with the anger, the trauma that we had when we were younger about how our fathers treated our mothers. And we think, well, that's probably the right way. And so we treat our wives 
with anger, with violence. We're rude and mean. Maybe you're harsh. Maybe you're overbearing. Maybe you're intimidating. You're scary. Are you this guy? Are you that guy? What kind of man intimidates a woman? We should be strong for our wife, not against our wife. Amen? We look out for the health of our family. And real men, real men, the real men who take responsibility, defend and protect. We don't tear down and abuse. And so, and the reason I have to say this is because I don't know what's happening in your home. Some of you are like, man, I would never treat my wife. Like there was a, we had a, a, an awesome couple's dinner and he made an example of something about how, how um, men and how the, men and she, I, I guess um, there was an example where the husband and wife cuss at each other. And me and my wife looked at each other like, no way. No way. I have never cussed at my wife. I have never called my wife a name. I don't have stupid nicknames for my wife to demean her, like gorda. I don't do that. I don't cuss at my wife. You know, I've never once in my marriage, in 16 years of marriage, told my wife to shut up. Never. I would never do that. I can't, even, I can't even comprehend that. She is the vessel that God has given me as my partner in life. And I'm supposed to lead her and care for her and nurture her and love her. I haven't even gotten to number four yet, and I'm on this one. My goodness, amen. All right, number three, honor her emotionally. Do you ask your wife? Do you ask your wife? When's the last time you asked your wife? Hey, how are you doing? How's it going? How are you? Ask her about her day and actually listen. Ask her about her struggles. Ask her what she's struggling with. You know, you single men, I'm just telling you, this is what every woman is looking for. If you can become this guy, you know, just like, just think about what is the ideal man for a woman, today's society, I have a Bible and a job, and I'll listen. When can we get married? It's amazing. It's amazing. So rare. So rare. So what do you do? Well, I go to church, and, um, and I have a, a pretty successful job. I got my own business, or, uh, you know, I've, been, I've got this new career I'm just establishing. When do you want to get married? Amen. Bible in a job. Do you, do you tell your wife what she means to you? When's the last time you told her how much she means to you and what you love about her? You cannot tell her enough how grateful you are for her. Number four, honor her verbally. And this means that you speak honorably of her when she's present and when she's absent. Amen? All the men said, amen. That means you don't talk bad about her behind her back. This, is, this means that you're not texting your buddies, my wife is terrible. 
So use your words wisely and speak kindly to her. Your words can either build her up or tear her down. Use words that build her up and speak them over and over her again and again. Number five, honor her financially. Men, you provide for the needs of the family. Am I saying that the wife can't work? I'm not saying that. Am I saying that the wife can't make more money than men? No, I'm not saying that either. But men, you are responsible for the financial well-being of your family. And it, it starts with ensuring that your family is paying 10% tithe of your income to the church. Part of taking responsibility is saying, so we don't just come to church and go to God's house. No, we invite God to our house. And part of inviting God to our house is looking at our family, looking at our lives, and looking at all of the aspects of our lives and saying, God, are we honoring you in all these aspects? And the man has to evaluate that. The man is responsible for looking at his family, his life, his children, his job, his ministry, and saying, are we lining up with God's word? And the tithe is so important to lining up our lives with God's standards. And it's such an honor to tithe. It's so, it's so amazing to hear stories of how there are people in this church who are like, man, I, was, I, was, I haven't been tithing. Man, I haven't been, haven't been doing it, but I'm going to start. All of a sudden they start, and man, things begin to just happen radically financially for their business, for their jobs, for their homes. God begins to take care of things. This is the only time that God says, test me in this, is with the tithe. Test God. See what God won't do when you begin to give him. Everything belongs to him anyway. So be generous towards your wife and remain transparent with the finances. That means you're not hiding money on the side. That you have transparency. You and your wife, you have transparency of the finances. Number six, honor her practically. I want to make it real simple, real simple. When your wife comes home with groceries, get up, get off the couch, go help her. You know what guy I am? I'm the guy that wants to get all the groceries, as many as I can on two arms and impress her as I'm carrying the groceries in the house. Are you that guy? Are you that guy? And she comes out, did you get them all? I sure did, baby. Look. Put them all on the counter. Got them all. Just press pause on the TV. You know, just go to the kitchen. Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Need a little hand? Hey, can, yes, please. Can you help with the kids? I need to feed the kids. No problem. I'll make their plate. Boom. I mean, just help. Honor her parentally. Your wife wants you to love the kids. She wants you to help raise them. That means putting your kids to bed at night. To put, if they're young especially, put them in the bath. Get them in their pajamas. Read a Bible story. Say some prayers with them. Tuck them in. Kiss their face. Be a father who's actively engaged with their children. Do you know... As husbands, as fathers, you are the first pastor to your children. You're the first one. 
You say, man, my, I don't know what to do with my kids. It's taking a step of faith and engaging God and say, God, how can I be a pastor? How can I be a shepherd to my children to teach them your ways? I used to do this with, with my kids when, when they were younger. I'd go get them ice cream. You know what I'd say? I'd say, man, who gives us ice cream? Well, you, Dad, no, but you know where we got the ice cream? You know who made ice cream? God made ice cream. Ain't God good? Oh, yeah, that God's good. Just invite God into your home and talk about what God is doing. Challenge your kids to read the Bible. When things come up that are difficult, point them to Christ. Help them. Talk to them about Jesus and about what God is doing. And speak highly of your wife in front of and to your children. Teach your children to respect their mom by thanking and complimenting her in front of them. And don't forget to show affection to your wife in front of your kids. I love doing that. While the kids are right there. Ew, dad! I love that. I love it. I love when me and my wife, we have inside jokes about things, you know, and we're laughing and, you know, they're just for me and her kind of jokes. And my kids are like, you guys are so weird, man. I love that. I want my, I want my children to see what it is like, my sons and my daughter. I want them to see what it's like for me to honor my wife. And last one, number eight, honor her spiritually. Be a man of God. And I know that this message right here isn't for everyone in the house. I get it. I get it. I totally understand. Some of you, you're single now. Maybe you had a marriage. It didn't work out. Maybe you're older and in season and in life. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, well, you know, I'm like a single mom right now. I have to be mom and dad. I get that. I totally understand that. I look across the room and, I, and I, I'm aware of a lot of situations that, of families in this church that are in a broken situation. Not in, but do you know that God has a way of redeeming our situations and helping us grow so that we can be the man and the woman that God wants us to be no matter what our family situation looks like? There is something about God. He's not, he doesn't just forgive sin. He, he comes in and he heals us and he helps us. And I would just tell you, you men, if your children are older, maybe you don't have children, there are plenty of young people in this church who could use your guidance. I think of my Uncle Jesse. I think about some young men who have come into the church and see him in his, in his jacket and how he's here every Wednesday serving the Lord. Now he's praying for people. Looking at him and looking at him as a role model. I looked at him as a role model as a young man. At 20 years old, I wanted to get married. And I wanted to have a family because of the, the example that he made and he modeled for me. I look at my, my uncle Avelino, who's my godfather. Not just my pastor, my godfather. And I say, man, I want to be like that. I want to have children. I want to have a wife. 
I want to have a family. I want these things for my life. If you're here and you're older and you're an older man, and maybe you can be such an example to so many young men in the church to show how we honor people, we, how we honor the volunteers, how we take responsibility for our church. We, we come, we set up, we clean. We're not just, the men aren't just sitting in the back watching the women do all the work. No, us as men, we're engaged in the work, in the process of building the church and building God's kingdom. Amen? And so we honor our wives spiritually. We guard our home against evil and things that would dishonor our family. We need to be careful about what our kids are watching and what they're doing. So we lead by bringing our family to church. And when there's conflict in the home, we reflect Christian character. So I'll just close with this. Every man gets it wrong at some point. We've all gotten it wrong. Amen? At some point in our lives, we've messed up. At some point in our marriage, things went haywire. At some point in our lives, we said, man, I, if I, have, I have so many regrets of how I treated my wife for that many years, how I treated my children. We serve a God who paid the price to remove our guilt and shame and to help us walk in newness of life. Today is a brand new day, friend. Today is a brand new day for you to surrender to the promises of God, to the plan of God. And say, God, I, that was yesterday, but today you're doing a new thing in my life. Today, Father, I'm going to trust you. Just bow your heads right there where you are. Let's pray. Father, I'm going to trust you for my family. Father, I trust you. Father, I've made some mistakes. I've done things my way. I have been worldly in my thinking. I have been worldly with my wife and with my children. Father, I have, I have been irresponsible. But thank you, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to forgive me of all my sins. To cleanse me and give me a brand new start. 